Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 226. This week, we have labor lawsuit limbo, the senator with a spending problem, the mule of the week, Candace Kaboom, and the girl who isn't. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner's endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Howdy, howdy, Dave. How you doing? I'm fine. You know, I've been doing a lot of house projects lately. So my plan is to not do any more house projects for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Last week kind of flew by. It did. How was your, did you have a good week? Yeah, it was was my anniversary last week. How many years? 15. Congratulations. 15 years into a life sentence. Poor Connie. I know. I know. Look, she makes poor choices in men. It's it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. She decided she wanted this. Did. I mean, look, I guess there's somebody for everybody, and uh, uh, she just has really low expectations of a broken down fat old man. So, what's going on with the Georgia Department of Labor class action lawsuit? So, I'm sure that everybody remembers the lawsuit that was filed. Um, I, I want to say it was back in 2020, but it may not have started until 2021. But when all the outrage was coming in about... Um, the backlogs of people who are trying to file claims and um, allegations of the, I guess, deliberate incompetence of the department. And um, like they struggled to get their unemployment insurance and they couldn't get anyone on the phone. And then, of course, after, um, I guess, all of that in on the front end, we heard about how the Department of Labor was spending money during that and having lunches brought in and just all kinds of things. So it's it's been a it's been a thing and to the extent that um Mark Butler decided not to run for re-election. So fast forward this lawsuit's filed um the Southern Poverty Law Center, SPLC. They were one of the um I guess representing organizations and they submitted a list of names um, to the people, you know, based on they, they did all kinds of open records requests about the, the list of names of people who were having a problem because I guess lawmakers couldn't get any resolve at the time. So, of course, Chris Carr's office, because he does not represent the people of Georgia, he represents the state agencies of Georgia, represented the Labor Department or uh, Labor Commissioner's office through all this. And they came to an agreement supposedly, um, on July 1st, well, June 30th, they did. Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center comes out and says, we've reached a preliminary settlement um, with the Labor Department in the suit over these claims from the pandemic. And, um, you know, this is, this has been going on since March, 2020. And we've, we're at a, we're at a crossroads. We're about to, you know, help people out and get them back on the right track. Well, apparently that ticked the state attorney general's office off because the agreement was that they would issue a joint press release and SPLC issued it on their own. And so the state attorney general's office said, we're not doing it. You violated the terms of our agreement and it's lights out. We're done. We're not. We're withdrawing our consent. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the entire, I say the entire world, half the population went on unemployment all at the same time. It was a log jam. I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for, for the behavior of the Department of Labor, especially with uh, bringing lunches in and, and spending money like it didn't No, matter. they're incompetent as can be. However. I don't think it's purposeful incompetence. It's institutional because it's the state agency. Yeah. Why would they need to be anything but? Look, I was, <clears throat> I was telling Connie uh, uh, last night, I said, put public in front of anything 
and it's awful. Public housing, awful. Public roads, awful. And it's, this, it's because government is incapable of doing anything with, outside, of, outside of the military, and they're trying to mess that up, too. Uh, I guarantee you, if this was a private organization and they had that many customers calling, they'd figure out a way to handle it. So here's what the Department of, or excuse me, the Southern Poverty Law Center said in their press release. Um, They said that earlier in the day, a U.S. district judge had approved a preliminary settlement filed against the Department of Labor um, over the, you know, the usual things. And they said that the Department of Labor will make improvements to its current system of processing unemployment claims to deal with extreme delays that have plagued the state agency since the beginning of the pandemic. The class action lawsuit was brought by, you know, all these people, and they named the law firms, um, when hundreds of thousands of people were waiting for their unemployment claims to be processed or an appeal to be heard. The lawsuit sought to address the systemic or systemic issues at GDLL that presented in a massive, or resulted in a massive backlog and extreme delays in determinations, payments, and appellate decisions. And then it says... Under the settlement agreement, um, the Department of Labor has agreed to enhance and improve communication, including implementation of artificial intelligence to streamline the call process. They've agreed to make and maintain upgrades to the online portal, including electronic notifications um, and a status bar of a claim. And then all pending appeals will be processed under a state-of-the-art system that will be completed by the end of the year. Delays in the initial process of appeals were a major cause of delay. Um and then it says they'll also, everyone will try to or will attempt to email people who have expressed interest in the case and others who might qualify as part of the class. And they'll also put notices on their respective websites. It's expected to be approved on September 1. And then there's a quote from the staff attorney from the Economic Justice Project. There is a statement from Jason Carter, grandson of Jimmy Carter, from his law firm, who brought the case and that's it. I understand that they were supposed to issue a joint press release. However, why would the department of labor and Chris Carr's office oppose? I mean, so they didn't agree to it. Why, what, what did they release here? That was not appropriate would be my question. It looks like he was looking for a reason. For and sure. they may go back. They might go back into <clears throat> into negotiation with it, but I don't know if Carr got uh, buyer's remorse after after that they had the the, no, the outline control. or control or another way of keeping his his name out there as he's as he's running for reelection of of all, of all the people that uh, showed a little shame and decided not to run for reelection. He's not one of them. Um, I don't. I I don't think. I don't think the statement was out of line. It didn't. It it didn't bang on the uh, Department of Labor. Uh, It It could have hit him a lot harder. Sure. They they did violate the agreement. It's just right. Is it uh, worth letting it all go to waste? Because here's my thing: we're paying for this lawsuit. We're paying for. We're going to pay for the repercussions and the consequences, but we're paying for all the time and effort to fund this. We're paying for it multiple times over because we're paying the U.S. District Judge. We're paying Chris Carr's office. We're funding we'll the Department of the, Labor. The, right. The the attorney's fees for for the other side, this, the Southern, Southern Poverty Law, whatever. So, yeah, we're going to end up paying for all of it. And nobody cares up there. No. And for something that is obviously like the rightful outcome anyway. I mean, all those things that they did sound like things that should have been instituted a long time ago anyway, um, because, you know, it's 2022, but they weren't. And so here we are. But like those are things that are going to and we're we're going to pay for all those things to be instituted. Um but I, you know, yeah, it was, I, I guess it sounds like Chris Carr is totally looking for a reason to have the judge admonish the Southern Poverty Law Center because SPLC has a very contentious relationship with conservatives. Um, you know, there's been a couple 
things that they've done that I certainly think are like, particularly their prison stuff and um, death penalty related things, but, or I guess justice reform, but, um, you know, they have their hate map and their hate and extremism stuff. And they're, they can sometimes be somewhat extreme themselves and they are largely anti GOP. So I would imagine that that has a lot to do with it. Um, Yeah. And look, if the uh, attorneys for the state of Georgia went to the judge and say, the ink was not even dry on this document, uh, putting a framework uh, for settlement before they broke, they broke the agreement and have had the judge do what judges do and smack the attorneys around a little bit, then say, okay, but we still have an agreement moving forward. That would have been totally appropriate. Yeah, uh, I think I think they'll settle. I think he's. I think they're just punishing. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, Chris Carr's a little brat. Likes to poke his lip out. Me. Hmm. <laughs> My impersonation of Chris Carr. Yes. So we have questions arising over Warnock's use of campaign funds to fight lawsuit. I feel like, well, Warnock's use of campaign funds and his funding overall have been a sticking point for the media for him for a while. I was actually surprised that the article appeared in Politico too, because, you know, our U S senators seem to have found themselves quite comfy and cozy in the arms of our mainstream media. But um, supposedly he used campaign money to cover the legal expenses for a lawsuit relating to his time as a church minister. Um, And so now they're talking about how it violates federal rules and there's lots of speculation and this this started when he announced he was running um i think i mean it i can't remember when isaacson announced he was stepping down i don't know but it it goes back to 2019 where an atlanta resident um Here's the Politico part coming out involved baffling and seemingly baseless allegations against Warnock. Um, That's pretty biased reporting. But um, again, 2019, it was 14 years old at that point. The allegations started about the uh, the funding. um, It was over that 14 year period, I guess, in different times. And it was dismissed, dismissed by the district court judge and then um, filed another lawsuit in 2021. Um, kind of going after Ebenezer Baptist Church as well. And I guess that one has not, as of yet, been dismissed. And now the FEC is looking at it all because litigation expenses where the candidate office holder was the defendant and the litigation arose directly from campaign activity or the candidate's status as a candidate. Obviously, Warnock is claiming like, well, this lawsuit never would have been brought against me if I wasn't a candidate. And if I wasn't campaigning for office, um, I think that is thin completely. And I think that, you know, even if even if that were true um, in 2020, like if it was in 2019, he hadn't really established any momentum to get the ball rolling that he was going to be running. Um, If it was the 2021 lawsuit he was i mean sure arguably he's a candidate but he wasn't really like we didn't even really know what was going to pan out at that time he'd been in office what two months three months well there's a there's a lot that's played fast and loose with campaign funds uh as far as paying for apartments um, <clears throat> and that kind of stuff. This one seems a lot like, I don't even know if, if he was being sued a, 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 in his official capacity that, you know, that, that would be up to the, the U S attorney's office to defend him. If, 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 yeah. if it was people V Warnock <clears throat> or, or whoever V Warnock and, and the United States Senate, <clears throat> this I don't know that it's going to stick. A lot of times these 
we've seen these these uh, election commissions and we've seen them issue smackdowns like you know tell them to he's got to pay the campaign back for it or something like that <clears throat> but you know that they're not and i i would think that the at the fec if once this hits august they'll shut this thing down so, most most of the executive branch does not get involved during an elect active election season with investigations. And what's frustrating, I think, for every I mean, in this case, regardless of my opinions on Warnock, is that it started well before election season and stuff is so slow. But the. So the controversy that they're talking about is based on this thing called the irrespective test or whether or not um, like if the expenses that's if the expenses for the campaign would exist irrespective of a candidate status of a candidate or an office holder. And it says the rationale for this prohibition is to honor the campaign con contributors intent that their contributions be used for political purposes and not, for example, to relieve the candidate of a personal obligation. So that's the federal standard. Of course, you were talking about apartments and stuff. Um, that's a that's a provision that our state candidates governed by the state ethics commission are allowed to do, which is I think one of the reasons that all of this is so confusing because every state has different rules and then the states are different than the feds um, and locals play by different rules. And I mean, it's just, we it's, we've made a mess of it, but I mean, if it's to relieve a candidate of a personal obligation, well, if the obligation is about Ebenezer Baptist church and allegations as his time as a pastor, I'm really not seeing it. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't know the facts of the case. Um, so I don't, but I have a hard time connecting, as I said, it's very thin, connecting his run as, as, a, as a candidate to what anything could have been ha happening at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Now, <clears throat> he is using some campaign funds well. Uh, I've, I've said before, he's turning out some great media right now. He's... Uh, he made fun of uh, uh, of of Walker, uh, kind of showing him trying to play football and trying same the same thing I, that I've said about the the arena that Herschel kind of got into this this arena that he's, that he's not prepared for, and uh, uh, and that that's exactly what what uh, Warnock did. So, he, uh, <clears throat> but as far as this goes, uh, I don't I don't know that the FEC is going to going to charge him or just issue a. a a smackdown that so you have to you have to repay those campaign funds, but the people who donate to a campaign do have an expectation that 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 it's going to buy signs and T-shirts. Yes, and pay that, for gas of you know driving yeah, around and to, TV time and right. radio spots and and all that stuff. But that there's an expectation that you when you give to a campaign, it's to campaign. Totally, I do agree with that a hundred percent, and um. They said so. One of the contentions is that he Warnock was served at his Senate office in Atlanta. Um, not sure if that's necessarily fair because people get served where you can find them. Um, and if you know, yeah, that's 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 even thinner. That that'd be like saying that if if you work for a bank and and you you get served with a lawsuit personally because they found you at work that the bank is on the hook for it. Mhm. Mm it doesn't it doesn't make right. sense, but So it's time for our mule of the week. Yes. This week it is California Governor Gavin Newsom. He could probably be the mule of the week every single week, but this week I am particularly perturbed by his announcement, which is that the state is going to start producing its own insulin, quote, lowering the price of an essential treatment that typically costs people with diabetes thousands of dollars a year to obtain. And his quote was, nothing epitomizes market failures more than the cost of insulin. 
Many Americans experience out-of-pocket costs anywhere from $300 to $500 per month for this life-saving drug. California is now taking matters into our own hands. And then it goes on to um, this video that he did. It goes on to talk about um, the state's $308 billion budget that has $100 million set aside for insulin production contracts that will allow people with diabetes to obtain insulin at a cheaper price close to at cost. And half of the money is going to development of low-cost insulin products, and the other half is going to go toward an insulin manufacturing facility in California. So, he's pissed because the government meddled in prescription drugs and has meddled in healthcare and insurance to the extent that it has made a life-saving drug mm, unaffordable for most people. So his solution is to not only inject more government into the process, but so to, to right, but to um, give government complete a complete monopoly over it in the state of California, subsidize it, and then which will drive the cost up eventually anyway. <clears throat> you know when. Obamacare was being debated, which Obamacare was just rehashed Hillary care that failed in the 90s. One of the best quotes I heard was from somebody who, who, who was from a socialist country. And it was, if you think healthcare is expensive now, wait till it's free. Mm-hmm. It would be cheaper for the state to means test and give a subsidy directly to buyers than it would be for them to try to produce their own stuff. There's a reason drug manufacturers are in the business they're in. A million percent. Because that's what they do. A million percent. And yes, we know that drug companies, you know, the government has protected them. And then so California is going to make it make its own and then protect itself and then subsidize it and then give it to people at close to cost. Well, here's the problem. If it costs the state of California more, like a lot of money to make it, their cost is going to be higher. What did I just say about put public in front of anything? Right. Put public in front of anything and it sucks. I mean. Except for public house, which is a pub. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah. And public you, this is This is the same guy record. who, yeah, this is the same guy who barred official travel to Montana and some other states. He's a but freaking his, idiot. And he took his vacation there. Yes. So he's out on he's out on social media taking pictures of himself in Montana's and stuff like that after saying they should punish the this the these states. Yeah, he <clears throat> this is the guy that got caught was it with the French laundry. Uh it's a restaurant I can't I sir I probably couldn't afford to go to. <clears throat> without without a mask after mandating everybody wear a mask. This mm-hmm. uh, this is He's a hypocrite. This, this is him absolutely buying, attempting to buy votes. Because there was a recall mm-hmm. uh, motion for, for him. So if he can, if he can go and he's he's he's, try, he's trying to buy it. And here's he, the thing: he's trying to buy it with the taxpayers' money. That's what that's what pisses me off about handouts and buy and buying uh, votes. Same thing with Kemp with giving teacher raises and and things and like Stacey's that. And Stacey's promises trying, and everyone else. Yeah, is is you're buying their votes with my money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, this is a good time. No, What's that? No, I just like every nobody wants people to have a hard time getting insulin. Nobody wants no. them to. I, I mean, I would love for insulin to be ten dollars um, for everybody who needs it. I, I like I don't I don't want it to be more expensive for people. I don't think anybody does. Um, but there is a cost for things, and every time we've allowed government to interject itself, it's driven up the cost. And we like Colorado; they didn't try to produce their own, but you know they signed the legislation to cap it at a hundred dollars. And then they're talking about in Congress capping it at thirty five dollars, but that only applies to people who have insurance. Um, and a lot of people don't have insurance because the government-funded program, the government-backed program that w- the federal government instituted to qu- relieve all of these problems and give everybody insurance didn't work. So there's still this donut hole of people. Um, 
so it, it's, it's like every breakdown that has happened so far has led to this. And everybody's like, oh, man, Price. we just had a little bit more government. Price fixing always leads to shortages. Always, always, always. If you're capped on, on, on what you can charge, why make it? Right. I mean, you don't you can't you don't cap the, the cost. You, you know what a, a new truck costs now? No. A hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. For for a decent for a decent truck. That's a house. But we're in this inflationary market, but we're supposed to pretend that the cost of producing insulin hasn't gone up with the cost of doing business with everything else. The materials needed to make insulin get there on a truck with diesel at whatever it is, five and a half or six dollars a gallon, depending on where it's coming in the United States. Uh, everybody's uh, labor costs are up. Everybody's uh, production over the last two years has been down. There is research involved. There's a lot of expensive, expensive, expensive things that go into producing pharmaceuticals. Well, they've said that, um, you know, so we're talking about monthly costs, right? So for Colorado, $100 is the cap. Um, and they've said that one vial, I think this was back in 2018 or maybe 2019, but they said that um, one vial of insulin could cost somebody. Um, I just lost it. Lord. Well, it's... it's- oh, they, it's $137 per vial, but... I mean, everybody, like, not everybody uses the same amount. Like, how can you, how can you even regulate that? Not everybody uses the same amount. Uh, if you tell an insurance company they have to cover everything but $100 on, on insulin, they're going to get it somewhere. You, you can't stay in the insurance business. So you may see some insurers pull outright and leave Colorado and say, we can't, we can't afford to operate there. Or the, the premiums are going to be so damn high. And, and we all see this around open enrollment time, you know, with, with people who are on group plans. And I'm, I'm blessed to have, to have, you know, a wife that, that, that works a, a good job and, and, uh, and we have a, we have a good plan, but yeah, we, we look at the premiums every year. They go up or the deductible goes up. They're going to get the money back somewhere. You can't stay in business if you don't. Well, it's, it's, it's one of the things I had against Obamacare with the covering pre-existing conditions. That's like going out, wrecking your car, then calling State Farm and asking to get insurance. Well, they also, you know, there's all these studies that say um, the insulin can go from, again, this is 2018 numbers, so we know it's gone up considerably, um, but $2.28 to $3.42 for one vial to produce. And that some it's often sold um, at, you know, $130 or whatever. Well, here again, here's the other thing. For companies, to, there's lots of makers of insulin. I think there are um, like seven that are in the United States right now that are easily accessible without, you know, the whole FDA nonsense. But to get approved on the market, they pay so much money. They go through so much regulation and red tape. It costs a fortune and they can't plan to make that back over 70 years selling it at $3 a vial. I mean, it's infuriating, but the government has made it that expensive for them to do. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that is $350 a vial or whatever it is, where they say, that's how much it costs to produce. No, it's not. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't include the the overhead. That doesn't include what insurance costs because they they carry pretty healthy insurance to cover themselves for in case of lawsuit. That doesn't involve uh, employee legacy costs, which are uh, your retirement plans and, and all the money that that they pay out for those legacy employees who have retired. Uh, that's one of those, that's one of the reasons automobiles are so ex- so expensive is is the is the legacy costs with it. <clears throat> so when they say it only costs three three dollars fifty cents to, to produce. No, it doesn't. Obviously, you've never been in business. Obviously, if you just look at the price of, of a good sold and you don't take into consideration every other bit of overhead that goes along with it, you then you're not going to be in business very long. Right. 
And yeah, this is not me talking from, from having having an MBA from Harvard. This is me talking for after having my butt handed to me the last two years uh, with with, uh, with the prices going up and and not and having to examine that. And that's and it's a hard lesson. And lucky, I, luckily, I was able to live through it. But <clears throat> that when when they throw numbers like that out, it's just like back on Warnock. He's uh, on the if it's a liberal type show that's on, he he talk, starts talking about price fixing and gouging and all that stuff. Like you obviously have never run a business. The only business you've ever run is one where all the donations come free. Terrible. Sorry. I, when, when people when people in government who've never built a damn thing try to tell businesses that what they're, they're charging too much, no, they charge what the market will bear. The same people that, that want to go out and get every dime if they sell their house, you know, you, you maybe you bought it for three hundred thousand and it's valued at, at six fifty now. You're not going to sell it for for three twenty five because that's a more reasonable profit. No, you get every dime you can from it. And there was a time when people died of the sugars. Mm-hmm. And, and around the world, people still do. That is, it is life-saving medication. And it was developed by, the, by these companies who did the research on it. And they continue to improve the product so you don't have to stick yourself as many times. And you know, all the ads you see, you see on TV about uh, uh, wearing an a automatic injectable thing. And they came up with all these innovations to, to make life more convenient for, for people with, with the diabetes. Yes, they're absolutely trying to make it. They're trying to improve it all the time. And there's, there's a cost in that research because not everything that they draw up in research works out. When you put new products on the market, there's a very high failure rate for whatever, whatever reason. Yeah, that, that's not going to work. We need to redesign it, go back, go back to the drawing board. No, it's a good idea, but that's not going to work. And there's an inherent cost in that, and they have to cover their cost of doing business. So that is why Gavin Newsom is the mule of the week. Jackass. <laughs> this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Kaboom, Jessica. You, you do well, this one. Uh, so we get the bombing of the Georgia Guidestones. And you and I were talking before the before the show. Um, <clears throat> neither one of us were aware of these things until until like Candace Taylor started bringing it up, and I guess Alex Jones was talking about. It. Neither one of us even knew this was a thing. No, and it's not that far outside of Atlanta. It's in Elberton. It was a hundred miles, something like that. I don't even think it's that far. I don't know. It's somewhere between like I think it's like between like Milledgeville and Athens or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's they're they're granite megaliths. They were, with, they were, uh, with inscriptions, and it brought in twenty thousand visitors a year. A year, which for Elberton, I mean, that's it's got to drive some uh, some money for them. Uh, it inspired a Yoko Ono song. They should have been torn down just for Yoko Ono. <laughs> it's, it, it <sighs> was it was built in nineteen seventy nine, and then not long after gifted to the Elbert County commissioners. Um, and they have like the, the, it had inscriptions on it and whatnot and 10 elliptical messages that appeared in Spanish, Russian and Hebrew supposedly. Um, but it also talked about like the sun solstice and um, like certain areas like it was it was built with intention by people who held some specific beliefs um and in the 1979 you can kind of gather you know it was like a period of uh different thought i guess and and peace and harmony so Candace- yeah uh, in 1979 we were threatened with a new ice age uh part of it is population control um there was a book that came out, and I think it was the 70s. It may have been a little earlier, by Paul and Ann Eyerlich. Uh, it is called The Population Bomb. 
And it was supposed that the next ice age would kill off so many humans if we don't if we don't control our population. Uh, I know this book because it was when I when I was in debate in high school we 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 had to have the, we quoted the the dialects from uh, for uh, um, for arguments and stuff like that. So I, that's how I know the, the population bomb. It's. They call it the American Stonehenge. It's not, or it wasn't. Like, like Stonehenge is impressive because of when it was built. Without having, you know, without having excavators, with, mm-hmm. without having technology to move these giant stones. Something brought in on, on, on semi-truck beds and having an excavator stick in the ground is not... It, the, the impressive engineering behind it is, I guess, it catches the... Uh, it has holes. That's one, you could always see the North Star at night. One is like a uh, like a sundial, where uh, at noon it, it I don't know it, it had it had some some cool engineering things that went on with it, and, and a lot of care went into building it. Uh, it's it's an advertisement for the granite industry because that is the what they say the, is the granite capital of the world or self imposed granite capital of the world. I guess I don't know. But the concepts that were promoted, so it, it did talk about maintaining humanity under 500 million in balance, in perpetual balance with nature and guiding reproduction wisely and improving fitness and diversity. And then, so those were the first two, but then it also talks about unite, hum, uniting humanity um, by having a similar language, um, ruling with passion, faith, and tradition in temperament. Protecting people and nations with fair laws and just courts, letting all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court, avoiding petty laws and useless officials, amen, Um, balancing personal rights with social duties, prize truth, beauty, and love by seeking harmony with the infinite, and then be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature. So okay. this, like, this was written with a with by by somebody who did a lot of acid in the sixties. But even even the acid users don't want petty laws and useless officials. Right. Yeah. Even on orange sunshine, they're like, "Yeah, we need to get rid of petty laws and, and useless officials." Or so, purple haze, whatever your whatever your flavor of acid is. So why is this all like suddenly I don't even I mean, I think that this would have made news if it would have happened, of course, because a bombing somewhere or, you know, and the GBI investigating and it's a it's a it's public property owned by a public entity um, that represents a local government. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it would have made the news. I don't think it would have been as big had it not been for the one and only Candace Taylor, who just 60 days ago released a campaign ad with drone footage, video footage, and full-on um, condemnation of these of these guidestones saying that if she was elected governor, she would tear them down. That would be executive order number 10. Which she can't do or could not do even if elected because it's not state property. Well, that doesn't and matter since, to her. And since the governor doesn't have the purse strings that belongs to the legislature, she can't just go strike a check for it, buy that four or five acres, whatever it is, and then turn it to state property, then knock it down. She doesn't have the authority to do it. So in the ad, and I'll link it in in the social media stuff and the Libsyn content, but... She says, I, it's a Twitter, it's a video that mostly went on Twitter because obviously she didn't have uh, money for TV, let alone two minutes for TV. But she said, I'm the only candidate bold enough to stand up um, to the Luciferian cabal. Elect me governor of Georgia and I will bring the satanic regime to its knees and demolish the Georgia guidance stones. Join me in my fight to hashtag tear them down. And in the video, she is driving and is being videoed and she talks about how the um, human sacrifice was a form of demonic worship in biblical times. Same demons, same sin. It's a different time. The new world order is here. It's a battle between good and evil. Help her because, and it, it, the whole thing opens with 
4 million people haven't been given the COVID vaccine, something that took nine months to create. Ask yourself why. And then it pans over the Guidestone text referencing the 500 million people or person cap. So she she just she went off the rails at some point. And instead of stopping, the, uh, the conductor in her brain just, just kept putting more coal I- I into the engine. And, you know, she left the rails a long time ago. This is, this is Alex Jones type, type stuff. And what these people don't understand, I say these people, Candace Taylor and, and her followers and a lot of the, the Marjorie Taylor Greene people, is Alex Jones is playing a character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe the crap that he says. He's playing a character. And he makes a lot of money playing that character. Alex Jones. Yeah. Uh, satanic. Is it is it uh, is it uh, socialist? Absolutely. Is it uh, is it is it hippie globalist? Yeah. Yes, it is also. Glo- I mean, it is United Nations esque like that mentality of we have a place everywhere to protect everyone and everyone should collectively. I mean, it's all of those things, but it was. I mean, I and yes, it was funded by private individuals who who. Uh, either signed an NDA or swore an oath or whatever. The the people who did it, we have no idea who did it, who's behind it. We have a a, a pseudonym for his last name, Christian, like DC Christian or something like that uh, as the, as the, as the, the front man for it. But the, the, the mystery behind who, who funded it, we have no idea. So I, I was, I was thinking of, you know, hippies in their like in their forties, because it's 1979, with like a gray ponytail drawing this up and, and uh, yeah, this would be the, this would be the Guidestones uh, forever. So this is still the pinned tweet on her Twitter, which I guess I, I respect the fact that she's like not backing down. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that because she's also not running for governor um, anymore because she lost. And so to have that pinned at the top and say, join me in my fight to tear them down when you're no longer running that is not a good look. Um, Her response on Wednesday morning was to tweet, God is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. And of course, this ignited social media, regular media. So God was cool with him for 40 years. And he's, he's sitting up there on a cloud Checking, uh, checking St. Peter to see who's coming in the gate. And he looks down at his phone and sees Candace Taylor's executive number, executive order number 10. Like, that's a good idea. Well, you, you say that sarcastically. However, she put a video on, um, in response, putting the quote fake news on notice. And we'll talk about that in a second. But she prefaced it by saying that her platform was Jesus, guns, and babies, and she announced that platform. And the Supreme Court of the United States has, in the last month, ruled on Jesus, guns, and babies. And on all three sides, it has been in favor of what Candace Taylor believes. So she didn't say it specifically, but when she goes right into the discussion on the fact that she believes that God can do anything he wants and, and that he did this, that she, and, until she sees video of something more than a flash and lightning, she's going to believe that this was God. Um, it certainly gives the perception that she believes that all of this is happening by her prayer and announcement that God is hearing and then acting on, which is, is a lot to unpack. When did when did prayer go from being a, a private thing to American Idol, where people think if you just give enough prayers that uh, that that God will do anything? It's like okay, well, okay, the the results are in. I don't, I don't know, but she's on a war path, um, and she's furious that the media, because of course, like I said, it, it exploded and all the response was, this is happening a month after, or two months after Candace Taylor um, put out this ad when she called for their demolition, et cetera, et cetera. And so she says, 
you know, in this video, if anyone says I don't believe in law and order or that I support vandalism, that I support going outside the legal system, they're a liar. I would never support that. And I think that they should be arrested. Let me make my words clear. Do not associate me with anything illegal. If you do, that is defamation and slander. And those are all real things. And we know that because we keep seeing court cases. And then she goes on to say that she's, um, like I said, that if it's until she sees video that it was not just lightning. Um, she said, don't put words in my mouth. I'm keeping records. I'm I'm saving audio. I'm saving video. I'm taking screenshots. I'm keeping everything. I'm keeping it. In this four-minute video where she just puts the fake news on notice. Yeah, she keeps using those words, and I don't think she knows what they mean. He's saying, you know, saying that it's quite possibly done because of because of what has come out whether it's from her or uh Margie Green or uh or Alex Jones for that matter most people didn't know what the hell the guidestones were uh and I, I, most I saw people somebody don't know what this means yeah and I saw somebody uh, say it was a drone strike. I'm like, what? You obviously have never seen high explosive go off. That's not high explosive. That, uh, that uh, it's it's curious to me if uh, um, and of course the government has this information, but in the course of an investigation, they're not going to release what type of explosive it was because even though it did blow up a a, a big piece of rock. It was not a. It was not he. It was not high explosive. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about a rural area, it could have been could have been half stick of dynamite or a stick of dynamite. Uh, it just it wasn't like debt cord or or drone strike or anything well, like that. Why would the GBI say that it's a bomb when it was if it was lightning? Why would they do that? I mean, that doesn't right. even make any sense. And there was going back to you know the purpose of it all there was there's a um a notation that there was an author who said that um like i guess everybody is the whole point of them is to spark conversation and encourage dialogue and encourage people to like look beyond what they believe and his comments were that you know this the stones were put up in the height in 1979 quote at the height of the cold war and that these might have been intended to be a message for possible survivors of a nuclear world war three. And that, um, you know, it's a, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be a call for rational thinking. You don't have to agree with it to have conversation. I mean, the 10 commandments of the antichrist is, is extreme. And why would they pick Georgia? Yeah, I don't Bible know. Bible Belt. I have, I, I have, but the, the stuff that, someone called it a, an act of domestic terrorism. The prosecutor? N- no. Oh. It, it, no, no, no I'm, not, I'm not saying it wasn't that. No. Oh. It, it was done at four o'clock in the morning when nobody was around. That is the complete opposite of what you do with terrorism. So no, it wasn't domestic terrorism. Yeah, they are. Um, they said they have lots of leads. <laughs> okay, um, and that they are following up on them. All it's still active. This is as of Friday, of course. But um, you know, and and then I thought it was also interesting that they said the uh, the prosecutor from that area said that this was an act aimed at the county authorities that own the site. Um, We've not given given any information to back that up or to explain why that would be the case. Still an interesting thing to do. Um, would make Candace Taylor's position on it even more interesting. I just... I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get where, where, where she is. I don't get where... Like I said, we've never heard of the damn Guidestones. It's not like it was being taught in school as uh, as uh, the way we should live life. No one really knows the message behind it. And you're right. It could be a post-apocalyptic message because at the time, the population of the Earth was, was well in excess of 500 million. 
I mean, there were a billion in China in 1979 by themselves. So, I, she's turning herself into a clown. And, you know, what, what could have been a, a serious run for, for governor turn, turned into this just, you know, yelling in the wind and uh, threatening to sue anybody that says anything about her. Uh, just, just, it, you, you, you look at it, she's got to be able to look in the mirror a little bit, step back and stop. I, I, think, she's, I think she's addicted to the attention. She may have only gotten, what, 3%, but that 3% are very vocal. And they love her, man. They do. So we have uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court rules transgender sex offender can't change, quote unquote, her name. His name. Okay, so I didn't know. I mean, this is a dumb, I, this might be dumb, but I didn't know that a sex offender um, in most states cannot change their name i obviously get it and i'm you know if that's a condition like we've talked about before if that's a condition of sentencing um whatever it the law needs to be changed but i i never i mean i someone was obviously creative at some point and decided to change their name to avoid the registry um and so state law prohibits that but um i had no idea i'd never heard of that and so that was new for me I never even thought about it. Right. Uh, it was a 4-3 decision, and that's this is in Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, it upholds the ruling of two lower courts, which uh, rejected the dude's request to change him to or her. Um, so what's interesting in this, and I know it's HuffPost, but they... No, no, it's Associated Press, just published on HuffPost, but it's still bad. Yeah, but, it's, but uh, woman identified court documents only as Ella. First of all, why is it not public? Uh, the dude's on the sex registry. Yes, they don't want people to know which sex registry person that person is, which would speak to the entire intent of the law to prevent this, you know? Well, you could figure it out. He was, he was uh, convicted of abusing a 14-year-old disabled boy. When he... he was 15. He was 15, yes. He is now, now 22. He, right. Actually, you might not be able to, well, I don't know. I don't, there'd be a lot that would be sealed. Um, I don't, I don't, obviously the sex offenders part would be on there, but I don't know what, um, I don't know. They, they said, the argument was that it was a violation of free speech and cruel and unusual punishment. Um, it's, uh, the court said that it's not cruel and it's certainly not unusual. Um, I disagree with that concept simply because like we've, it's only not unusual because we've made it usual, you know, like the government made it usual. So it's no longer unusual. The free speech part is the part that I have the most difficulty with, because if, if the person wants to call themselves Ella on a daily basis and wear a shirt that says Ella and get everything monogrammed with E you know, she, he, however, she, he wants to be identified at any given time. They are, they have the right to do that and no one is stopping them. We're talking about official paperwork. Um, and we're also talking about somebody who is not fully transitioned. So, I mean, there's a lot of working parts here. Um, because we've talked about that on the show before, like at what point it's, it's, a lot of people disagree with the concept of transgender and I understand and I, I am not going to dispute people's beliefs in that sense. But my point is um, been all along that this is something that is happening. And even in like, even if you reject it in conservative states and it occurs in liberal states, the question is going to be at what point do you recognize somebody as a different sex or if ever, um, but like if you're if it's not going to be never or immediately as soon as you decide, like when is that going to be? Because it's a problem. We've talked about it in the context of prisons and jails, like where you house them. Um, government when government is responsible for people. So and if the government is going to make us register or, you know, for 
weddings and um, things like that. Like if, if when the government gets involved, at what point is the government going to say, OK, fine, you are a female now? They've, they've never decided that. And it's not consistent. And I think that's going to continue to cause problems. Of course it is. Uh, it, it caused problems at the TSA because, you know, they push a button whether you're male or female going through. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a transgender dude in a, in a dress that said, we're, we're getting something over here. And it says, oh, well, that's my penis. Okay, so you're male. No, I'm female. What? And, and, I, and I happen to go with the, with the biology thing here and say, if you have an XY chromosome, doesn't matter how you mutilate your body. Now, there, there was a Rhode Island mom on the news this morning talking about the teachers unions wanting to get rid of words like mother and father. And playing the pronoun game. But anyway, back on this. Look, dude has to register as a sex offender for 15 years. He's 22. He's eight years away from being done. Why? Why? Uh, Do your sentence. Yeah, I don't... I don't know, but it's it's just. Well, and and the other thing is, why can't it's it's got to be it's got to be something in the code? But why can't they update the registry? Like if he says my name's Ella now, we'll go back in, uh, mm-hmm. get get your new picture updated, update your address, and you put you put you know your name, you know. Bob, and then under it, uh, Ella, and say and and put there, you know, also known as Ella or or whatever. Well, as- here's I, I hear you, but here's a a flip for you because they're saying that requiring Ella to maintain a name that is inconsistent. This is the minority opinion of the court um, that to maintain an inconsistent or a name that is inconsistent with her gender identity and forcing her to out herself every time she presents official documents exposes her to discrimination and abuse. Well, if you want to look at the flip side of that, which we never do anymore because, you know, people who are not in a protected class or a specific class or whatever, they have no protections anymore. But if you want to turn the tables, I would say, why does Ella get special? Why should Ella get special treatment? Because she is in this class when all these other people cannot change their name. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. So that's, I think it's the right decision. I can't believe it came as close as four, three, but it's, but it's the right decision. It, it's, it's not cruel, not, not cruel and unusual to have somebody on the registry. It's not punishment saying that dude can't change his name. It's not punishment. That is saying, this is how you are on the registry. This is the name you were convicted under. And for 15 years, this is the name you'll use. Look, dude abused a 14-year-old disabled boy. Well, and I, I mean, I'm with you. A total piece of crap. Probably cannot be rehabilitated. Um, aside from the transgender issue, um, having that kind of abuse is um or participating in that kind of abuse is a mental a, a chemical imbalance of some sort from the get-go a deviant so aside from that the the issue here is that this is going to come up again there's going to be another issue like this in another state or somewhere else and i would venture to say this is not the end of the road for this i i would imagine it's going to continue to go up the chain but um you know it's special treatment. It is. It, 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 once you say that he can he can call himself anything, you know, change his name, just just like you and I, if you and I wanted to uh, uh, to change our name with this paperwork, you go and file and get your get your official documents and your name's changed. If that's if that's if if we don't yeah if we prohibit it for all people on the sex offender registry and, and I don't know with the laws in Georgia that they go around that but they're probably pretty uh, dadgum similar. Uh, do the rest of your sentence. It's it's fifteen years in the sex registry. I mean he's he's lucky he's not in prison because I, I don't and again don't know the facts of the case because we don't know who Ella is. So you know if it would be it would be more enlightening to, to know the facts of the case of why, you know, I, I guess it, maybe it was juvenile court 
And it was because it was 15 when, when it happened. He served till 18 and then registered for 15 years as a sex, sex offender. That's quite possible. I don't, you know, I, that's just stuff we don't know. But the but you're right. The, the disparate treatment of allowing one person because he grew his hair out, put on a dress to change his name on the registry and not allowing Bob Smith, who wants to become, you know, uh, whatever, wants to become Dave Roberts because it's a popular name. Uh, if if, if Bob, Bob Smith wants to change his name to Dave Roberts, uh, well, if he's on the sex registry, I mean, if, if you allow it for one, you, you, ha- you have to. You, you can't be disparate in, in your treatment as the, as the, as the government. Nope. But all right, Jessica, how about your closing thought as we're as we're uh, running close? Um, Derek Chauvin was sentenced by the federal judge last week on Thursday. I don't think anyone cared. <laughs> like it was really I mean, it made the news, but nobody really was talking about it. Um, and the federal judge sentenced him to 21 years in prison for violating George Floyd's civil rights, telling the former um, and he told the he told Chauvin in his diatribe that what he did was simply wrong and offensive um and he's the one that presided over the trial obviously but he said i really don't know why you did what you did to put your knee on a person's neck until they expired is simply wrong your conduct conduct is wrong and it's offensive um and you know he presided over the the trial of the other three officers at the scene and and he the judge blamed um chauvin alone like entirely nobody else is to be held accountable by this judge. And he said, you absolutely destroyed the lives of three young officers by taking command of the scene. Um, which I thought was interesting, but most because I thought it was interesting because um, they were convicted. And so it, if the if they were convicted and charged with the crime convicted and then sentenced by that judge, um, it kind of presumes that the judge, at least at some point, thought that they had some culpability and responsibility. So to say that they, he absolutely destroyed their lives. That's just an interesting position by the judge. But of course the media that is commenting on it said that he got 21 years and the sentencing range, which is done by points in the federal system, the range was 20 to 25 years. So they're all talking about how um, he got sentenced on the low end. I mean, he's not getting out. I mean, he was already he was already convicted by by the by the by the state, so he'll do twenty one years because uh, in a federal pen, and then get re- returned to a state pen. I mean, he's not getting out. Well, and it's like the McMichael's and the Aubrey case to me, in that you know we doubled up, and then it's is a double expense, and for what? For what good reason? Um, when you finish the drill at the state level, and I think it, I think more than anything, it. Um, makes people numb to the issue because they're like, they think that you're piling on. And while the, the acts are completely egregious, um, it's hard for people to comprehend. Not all people, because obviously some people support it, but it's hard for some people to comprehend why and f- for what good use and resources and time and everything else. And I think you actually have the inverse effect, but they didn't ask me. So. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the it was done. It, the the Chauvin trial was done. So he's convicted. It's over. Done. He's never getting out of jail. Then then the feds come in. But wait, there's more. Ah, <sighs> oh, I just from last week, James Kahn passed away. Heck of an actor. Even if he did go to Michigan State. Um. Sad. I th- I, he was in his eighties. I mean, he was he was no spring chicken. But you know, as, as we see more and more people live, you know, live to be live to be a hundred, you, you think that uh, he might might have had a few more years around. And I was actually shocked to see uh, Angela Lansbury still alive. She's like ninety five. Uh, I don't. I don't that, that's a complete non sequitur. But <laughs> but but but. Thank you to Jessica, my partner's endeavor, to Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor that takes the garbage audio I send him and turns it to something you can listen to. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. 
Very